everyone, and welcome to Sample Size. The only news podcast that cares about science. I'm your host, Wildcard Cameron. And I'm your, I guess, not host, Sam. Yes. So. <laughs> For this episode, you've been demoted, Sam, because I have very important tech news to talk about. And so this is the time for tech. Now is the time. Jokes aside, this is like something that's very important to me because it is a thing that is affecting literally like a quarter to a third of all mobile smartphone users. And they don't even know about it. Ooh, um, all right. I'm excited and, for this. And more importantly, it's like how they frame the discussion. Okay, so to everyone who owns an iPhone right now, this matters to you. If you're using iCloud to back up your images, whatever, if you own an iPhone, Apple is planning to roll out something called CSAM scanning. What is CSAM scanning? I'll explain. <laughs> Do you want me to ask that? <laughs> <laughs> yes. There's a weird energy here because I'm like, it's urgency, but I'm not super scripted. We'll see what we do. I can tell. You know, like I can jump in here. I can ask <laughs> the questions. Cameron, what is CSAM? So CSAM stands for, unfortunately, Child Sexual Abuse Material. Every version of gross, terrible thing that happens in the digital space that has to do with abusing children, especially anyone under the age of 18, this is that stuff. Okay, so you said CSAM scanning. So my guess is scanning for these horrible materials? Yes. So here's the thing. Apple is trying to roll out CSAM scanning. It's basically a way for them to scan for child abuse material in a way that they can report on. Basically, U.S. Code, I think it's Chapter 18, Section 2258A. I had to go up <laughs> Ooh, and look at okay. the law, Cornell <laughs> Law Review. But basically, the point of this is there is a reporting requirement that if you find out that someone is proliferating child sexual exploitation material online, and we don't want that to happen, I think – I would like to really believe that anyone listening to this does not want this to happen. They do not want child abuse to be a thing ever. Yeah, I, I really hope all of our viewers agree on this one point. If you don't, I'm not going to lie. Just unsubscribe. <laughs> goodbye. I, goodbye. <laughs> the point of this law is if for any reason you find out someone is proliferating child abuse material, and this could be photos, videos, live stream, like any form of media that could exist on a machine and be shared around the Internet – you have to report it. And specifically, there's a cyber tip line for, they're called NCMEC. NCMEC? National Center for Missing and Exploited Children. Oh, okay. They're the ones who are typically driving this process. And this is true for pretty much all online operators. This is why social media platforms like Facebook and YouTube and Twitter, pretty much anywhere where people are sharing images, there's a ideally an army of workers working as hard as they can to find and flag this kind of material. Okay, so from what I understand, there is a U.S. law saying that people in charge of websites or platforms have a duty to make sure that child abuse materials are not being shown on that platform. Exactly. And okay. this is the weird part of this. Everything that's going to come next is this is the most noble cause. If you want to think of like a cause, I feel like the vast majority of people in the 21st century agree on it's child abuse is the worst. Yeah, I'd be shocked to find anyone that isn't going to support this. The problem here is how it's being used as a justification for some of the most insane invasive scanning I've ever seen by the company that continuously touts itself as the privacy company. Okay, so 
CSAM bad, CSAM scanning, great noble cause. You're saying that what Apple is doing or what they're proposing to do is the thing that we should give pause. Yes. So CSAM scanning is happening all the time. Like it's just is a thing that if you ever put any piece of media out onto the Internet, because it's going to proliferate on the Internet, anyone who is hosting that information can be as culpable as you for sharing that information, for sharing that media. And so every platform has carve outs that say, like, as long as we act in good faith to find and shut down and report all this information, those platforms are protected from this. Okay. Apple does this. Apple does this in iCloud. If you upload any sort of child abuse material onto iCloud, they will definitely report it and you will definitely go to jail. Okay, but it sounds like they're going to be going a step further. Yeah, so this is where the CSAM scanning that they're rolling out is bonkers. There will definitely be links to this in the show notes. But what's happening is before all scanning happened in the cloud, nothing happened until you put that piece of media out into the ether of the Internet. Okay. Here, Apple is using your own phone to scan files on your own phone. So before you even... Like basically the moment a piece of media appears on your device, it can be scanned by Apple without you ever uploading it to the Internet. Oh, okay. So let's say my iPhone, I don't have my photos backed up automatically to the cloud. Like I have that setting turned off. This would mean that Apple would still be able to access all of those photos. Actually, unfortunately, you got ahead of me, but I guess it's nice to be on the flip side of this. So. This is going to be an important part for everyone listening who doesn't want to be part of the scanning. Let me just quickly start with what exactly the full scanning process is like. Okay. So Apple's not like literally just like getting every photo off your device and being like, oh, look, this is every photo Cameron could possibly have. I wonder if any of these are disgusting and make humanity cry. Let's look at all these shirtless pics of Cameron. (laughs) Okay. Uh, Ow. (laughs) That was just mean. Okay, but the way it works is they're using a pretty common piece of cryptographic technology called hashing. So pretty much every time you make any sort of media file on a computer, you can create a hash of it, which is basically you run it through a little cryptographic algorithm and it spits out this like string of numbers and letters on the other side. Yeah, it's nonsensical numbers on the other side, or at least to our eyes. Yeah, but this number, this thing that comes out is a perfect snapshot of the piece of media, which means that. If you ever saw it again, you should have a high expectation that it is that same piece of media again. So what they did is Apple is using a database, a national database of CSAM that is already known to the government. They're getting the hashes from that database and using your device to see if any of those hashes match with hashes of images on your device. Okay, and I'm guessing the hash, from what I understand of hashing, it is... It isn't like if you had a picture of Clifford, the big red dog, and then you compared it to a picture of a statue of a red dog. That's not Clifford at all. It's a Mm. different red dog for some reason, but it's a statue. Those hashes, despite those being like similar images, would be completely different, right? It's pretty exact. Think about like this. The typical good image on Instagram is 1080 pixels by 1080 pixels. If a single one of those pixels is different by any amount, it should produce a completely different hash. So you could actually have two images of Clifford, and if one pixel on his nose is slightly different black color than another pixel on his nose, it is considered a different image, according to the hash. Okay. 
But this also means it's supposed to be very exact, right? I just realized the joke I should have made was comparing, like, the cartoon Clifford the Big Red Dog versus the live action you, you Clifford the Big that. Red Dog. You should have very much done this. <laughs> Missed opportunity. But the way it's supposed to work is you're going to compare these images, and if enough matches show up, you basically have this, like, weird voucher system. It's literally called a voucher system by Apple, where if a match shows up, a voucher is sent, like, to Apple to say, like, hey, we found some CSAM stuff on a device. You guys should probably check that out. And what it will do is then it will send the actual image from your device to Apple to be looked at by a person. Oh. And if that person confirms that this is actually CSAM, by which this person will have to look at what is presumably an image of CSAM and be sad for the rest of their lives, they will then report it to the authorities and your account will be deactivated and you will probably end up going to jail. Yeah. Yeah, because I know CSAM material is very serious stuff. Yeah, and every part of that should sound like an awesome cause. Like, yes, we do not want kids to have a bad time. The problem is the system, right? Any system that we create that has to do with machines that can be created for the noblest of reasons has about a million reasons why it can go wrong. The first one is it's a system where the database being used to figure out which content is being used might be able to be swapped out. This is kind of wild. In an op-ed for the Washington Post, two researchers published their findings in what they described as the only peer-reviewed publication on how to build a system like Apple's. Jonathan Mayer and I'm going to completely butcher this. I know I butchered it in my YouTube video. Also, I should mention I made a YouTube video about this. Link to that in the show notes. <laughs> Jonathan Mayer and Anune Kulshestra. They said they believed such a tool would be too dangerous to implement even if it were introduced with the best of intentions. Quote, our system could be easily repurposed for surveillance and censorship. The design wasn't restricted to a specific category of content. A service could simply swap in any content matching database and the person using the service would be none the wiser. What they're saying is this seems like a really good way to fight CSAM. And currently the plan is to only roll it out in the U.S. to fight CSAM in the U.S. Mm -hmm. But it is a system that will be built into basically the fundamental architecture of iPhones or at least their operating system okay. that would allow any government, perhaps a dissonant government or any other country that does not like their citizenry having any sort of critical opinions of the government to use their database of these images, this content is critical of us and we want to find out who has them, to go after everyone who buy iPhones because of Apple's ongoing commitment to privacy. Okay, so you're saying that this technology that they developed for the noble cause of detecting CSAM could easily be manipulated to detect other things. And so because Apple has put... This system, technology, I don't know, et cetera. They put this thing. Yeah, scanning in, system. Okay, system in place on their devices and it's out in their code and everything. I think what you're saying is there's a twofold where Apple themselves could just decide at some point, you know, I also want to detect this database of things and they could just do that. Like it's very easy to swap that out and be able to do that now. And also, if another country were to order Apple to do something, then that other country could do that. Is that yeah, what you're yeah. getting at? If, if, if China wanted to crack down on dissidents and they said you cannot operate in our country unless you do the thing we say, then Apple will be compelled to do it. Otherwise, they could lose access to their supply chain or their customer base or any other number of things. How likely is another country ordering Apple? I don't know. I'm thinking like... Let's say a country did order Apple to do this. 
when they be like, no, we're going to lose so many customers if we do this. So I don't know. I guess they would be losing customers anyway because they wouldn't be able to be in that country. So, uh, I talked myself into an argument. Well, I was going to say there's actually a U.S. Senate bill that kind of is in this exact topic. Oh, really? Yes. There's a U.S. Senate bill that would effectively require Apple to build a backdoor into iPhones. This was actually from back in 2020. But what it was is it is such a fundamental undermining of just technology, like technology security going on in the modern century that it's mind blowing that people tried to force this on Apple. So back in 2020, the U.S. Congress introduced a bill that would effectively require Apple to have backdoors into iPhones so that if someone needed to get into them for like law enforcement reasons or whatever, they could go and they could go access whatever content they needed with a lawful warrant. Oh. Yeah. The problem is how it fundamentally undermines how encryption and security works. Basically, Apple's ongoing commitment is that everything on your device is end-to-end encrypted. The idea of end-to-end encryption means that if I'm talking to you, Sam, mm-hmm. and I'm doing like iMessage or something, ideally, all of my data is encrypted so that anyone watching our conversation can't tell what's going on inside. Only you and I know what the actual messages are. Is this kind of like a VPN? This is like a VPN, except your computer is doing this all the time. So like a VPN is a super special tunnel that encrypts every part of the message. So like normally pretend I'm talking to you and I have a envelope. Like I'm trying to send you letters back and forth. Okay. Even if you don't open the envelope, you can still tell Cameron's talking to Sam and Sam is talking to Cameron. The way a VPN works is it puts that envelope in another envelope that says Cameron is sending letters to DHL or whoever. And then DHL will open that envelope and then send it on to Sam. So a person looking at that wouldn't be able to tell that Cameron's talking to Sam, only that Cameron, along with dozens of other people, are talking to DHL. Oh, okay. Okay. But the more fundamental thing is all your data is always protected because of how end-to-end encryption allows you to have that first envelope, that first assurance that even if I did know that I was talking to Sam, I don't know the contents of that conversation. So it could be literally anything. And this is actually a fundamental component of privacy. In privacy, there's this concept of the postcard versus the envelope. If everyone is using postcards, if everyone's just sending messages back and forth where anyone along the supply chain could read the message, when you send envelopes, suddenly you're suspicious. What is so special about this message that you need to hide it? But if everyone is sending messages in envelopes, none of the envelopes are suspicious. (laughs) And this is a common metaphor for helping to understand how privacy isn't usually about the individual. It's about society and how technologies like this Apple CSAM scanning thing are introducing an erosion to privacy where the foundations on how we understand whether or not an interaction is private are continuously being eroded by technology. Okay, talk more on the privacy is not individual, it's society thing. I don't think I quite got that. So this is a, as an individual, as an American, you have like the Fourth Amendment right to protections from unlawful search and seizure. You Mm -hmm. have things like no quartering soldiers in your home because then they can just be spying on you and just sucky. No self-incrimination. Every society, every government, 
ideally a whole of the people will come together and decide what is enough public good for them. So typically you can think of this as Americans, we're hyper individualistic. We want to believe that our things are our own. People shouldn't be going through our stuff. My <laughs> privacy is for me. Yes. And a lot of people will tell you like I have nothing to hide. But the point isn't that you have nothing to hide. It's like we've seen countless people who whatever their political views might be, they don't trust the government. Yeah. And by giving the government carte blanche ability to look at all your information, that undermines any expectation of privacy ever. Yeah, despite having nothing to hide, like, you still don't want to be completely open. It's like, I'm not doing anything suspicious. That doesn't mean I want to be live streamed my entire life forever. Like, yeah. that's that's still just a lot of pressure. So I think that's a similar kind of feeling. And the irony is that, like, for a lot of Westerners, no one actually cares. Like, the government is, <laughs> despite my ongoing goals as a privacy engineer to fight government overreach and make sure that my expectation of privacy and everyone's expectation of privacy still exists. Yeah. That's not really like it's the government doesn't care about me most of the time, if not all the time. <laughs> but if you can give the government a way to monitor you at scale, then all of a sudden everyone's favorite go to is always China. But there are lots of countries around the world where if you give them all the special different ways to access your data, they will use it. They will find ways to collect data on mass and do things on mass and find ways to throw people in Uyghur concentration camps or go after people who are uploading videos on YouTube or do whatever. Yeah. Because that crackdown, that that continuous top-down oppression is how they stay in power. This is not like a specific slide against China or any other specific government, although I'm sure you could go read 60 <laughs> articles on which governments <laughs> I'm probably talking about. But the goal here is to say any one of these technologies sets a precedent for how we should expect our right to privacy to operate. And there's a lot of stuff going on here that's actually even more, I'll say, sucky than that. Like there's there's oh? more fundamental problems with this technology than just the CSAM scanning. For one thing, you remember I was talking about hashes and how it should create a perfectly unique hash? Yeah, we had a whole Clifford example. Yeah, it was very good. I enjoyed it very much. <laughs> I think we need more Clifford on the show. Yes. But the thing about hashes is they are a fixed length. A hash could be 256 bits. It could be 512 bits. It could be however many bits. But what that means is, and this is going to sound weird, there are two to the 512th possible combinations that could be represented by that hash. That that sounds like a lot. It sounds like a lot until you realize that the internet is huge. It is massive. It uh, is so full of so much stuff. That's a good point. That if you don't have a good hashing algorithm, then you can have what are called collisions. You can have two images, probably extremely different looking images. This is not Clifford is like slightly different here than he is here. This is potential CSAM and a photo that you just took on your phone that just for some bizarre reason happens to have the same hash as CSAM could produce a collision. Mm. And ideally, as part of their little chain of events, someone would actually go in and be like, oh, right, this image is clearly not that. Yeah, I think you mentioned before the tickets generated and then the person has to actually compare it. Yeah, so that person still has to look at a image of CSAM yes. and your <laughs> ideally cute photo that has nothing to do with CSAM and be like, well, my day is ruined, but at least I got to see this person's private life. <laughs> it's It's just weird on its face because that's still saying there's a lot of situations where 
things you're doing in your private life that have absolutely nothing to do with CSAM, that data can still be exfiltrated from your phone to be examined. Yeah. And yeah, that that's a core fundamental problem to this is how it is literally an exfiltration of data from your phone anyway. And they could do this. The point is they can still do this with other databases. Well, if you're in a country where the government wants to crack down on people who are in favor of the Hong Kong protests and you just happen to have an image that for some reason has a collision with an image from a database of Images they got from the protests. Man, really dunking on China. Really this dunking episode. on China because it's the it's that low hanging fruit. Mm, <laughs> so tasty. And again, Apple they haven't rolled this out yet. And it's weird when a company says they haven't rolled something out yet because you really believe they're rolling it out in a small market or a small group or yeah. in somewhere. The goal is they want to make it so that they can hire outside agencies, outside independent parties to come look at the CSAM system and say, okay, this meets some modicum of it's reliably only reporting on CSAM. It's reliably using this database. And actually, as part of this, Apple is allowing users to inspect what's called the root hash of the database. So you remember how I said it was really easy for them to swap out the database? Yeah. The point of a root hash is to say, like, ideally, the root hash, the hash that's allowing these hashes to be created, the, the like, special key that's generating the hashes itself. Mm-hmm. If the root hash is actually from the CSAM database then people should be able to inspect the root hash and know, okay, well, this is definitely that database. The problem is I as an individual would never know that. Yeah. Even if I could go look at their public data system, I don't actually know or have a guarantee or have an easy way to myself on my phone, on an iPhone, go look and actually say, is this the hash that's being used on my device? Assuming that I even knew the scanning was happening in the first place. I mean, I feel like having the ability for individual users to look this up is, I don't want to say ridiculous. Like, it's just like, what's the point? Because why would I expect an individual user to have this in-depth knowledge of hashing that just seems weird? I can kind of understand having outside third-party people to have some credibility. I'm thinking like, sometimes a government will do that to like an agency being like, oh, you know, we did this thing and we're going to have these big research groups come look at our stuff kind of as like a a check, like what we did was good and, you know, consensus in the research community, what we did was good. (laughs) Exactly. Stuff like that. So I can understand that point. But having that on an individual level be like, yeah, and you, the individual, can look it up. Like, what's the point? No one's going to have that knowledge. Yeah. This is the massive frustration behind, like, if you remember the Facebook hearings on Capitol Hill where there's like, well, you know, people can just go look at the terms of service. Like, no one's going to go get a law degree and then read a 100-page document. I know they've yeah. since distilled it down, but I'm always plugged in to privacy policies and user agreements and terms of service. They are never easy to read. They're never fun to read. Like, I kind of highlight this in my video. I made a short six-minute video you can show to all your friends to show how cool you are and how much better you are than them at knowing about technology (laughs) on YouTube that like I have a little carve out for like, yeah, there's lots of places in these TOSs for why they have to share information with law enforcement. Mm -hmm. That goes exactly back to this point. If they find CSAM, they have to share it with law enforcement is required by law in the United States and most other countries around the world. Yeah. But what that also means is there's a huge gray area where something that I, as a reasonable individual, might never think could justify reaching out to law enforcement, could be something actively shared with law enforcement. There's a lot of gray space, especially since we've seen since post 9-11 with the Patriot Act and the Freedom Act, that you don't know is being shared for all sorts of reasons. Okay, so I think 
I can distill the whole point of what you're trying to get at with this whole CSAM scanning in that the CSAM scanning that Apple's doing, it's not bad at the moment, but there's all these lingering questions and things that could happen and potential ways it could be misused. And that's what kind of makes it worrisome. Yeah. And I think my two biggest gripes with this are, one, it sets a very dangerous precedent. Anytime you use technology like this, especially in a way that is to give someone access to what you as an individual might think is a private space on your phone. Mm -hmm. Like I have lots of ways of making sure my files aren't uploaded to the cloud on my device. But now the CSAM scanning system is telling me, no, you don't. There's just like any number of your <laughs> files could just go to the cloud because they just happen to have a collision with a potential piece of CSAM because they just used a bad root hash or they used a bad algorithm or they didn't have a big enough – like there's a bunch of reasons why this could happen. And then the second one, the like honestly the most painful thing to me is the justification because I really am on board with the idea of like we should do this and we are doing – like the, there's a ton – of laws and people working tirelessly to ensure child abuse is curtailed online to whatever extent it can be in the modern age. And this justification feels like a complete misuse of that entire idea. So I am curious why Apple decide to do this. Because you kind of mentioned before, they're definitely already scanning stuff that gets uploaded to the iCloud. Like, they have to do that. But I am curious why are they deciding to do this thing and go the extra step to monitor photos that are on the individual phones? Like, have were law enforcement finding out that this is a really big issue? Or is Apple just kind of taking the initiative and being like, or do you not even know? <laughs> I'm, I'm going to say, honestly, I unfortunately couldn't find a really definitive answer. I tried to, a lot of my stuff came from a big article where, of course, as soon as Edward Snowden starts calling, blowing whistles, people actually start paying attention to something. So that annoyed me. <laughs> but I couldn't find a specific justification of why this technology is being implemented. Obviously, you could probably chalk it up to the need to scan for CSAM. But the fact that it's so invasive doesn't really explain why specifically, especially Apple, the company that's built a lot of goodwill on its privacy backbone, would do this. So I have another question related to this. So Apple is deciding to do this. What about Google? Like they're the other big, you know, Android phones. Are they going to do this? Yeah, I haven't I don't know of any parallel plan from Google to do this, but it would be ironic if there was suddenly a sea shift from Apple to Google as the per people who are the least no one's leading privacy. They're just <laughs> the least terrible. <laughs> Cuz yeah, I'm a little shocked if Apple would decide to do something and then Google not follow suit. I don't know. It's to me that would speak to especially if it was kind of more top down law enforcement pressure or like legal pressure for them to do it. Otherwise, if Google's not doing it, that would speak to me that like Apple's just deciding to do this on their own, which is a little strange. Oh, man, Cameron, you got me asking all these questions. Yeah, it's not awesome. Now, I should, again, highlight the fact that this system, first of all, is this is the thing about technology. It can quietly roll out all over the world and you never know it. But mm -hmm. for right now, as of today, which is September 16th, when we're recording this. Also, happy almost birthday to my brother. There we go. This is only going to be rolled out in the United States. It's only supposed to be used for CSAM. And as I understand it, Apple has gotten so much backlash that they are actually pushing back 
their rollout, even though they haven't announced specifically when it is. I haven't found any specific dates oh. on when they're planning to roll this entire thing out. But yes, there's been a lot of backlash. And actually, Germany's parliament penned a letter to Tim Cook with concerns over CSAM, specifically their Digital Agenda Committee chairman, Manuel Hofferlin, thinks Apple is going on a dangerous path while undermining safe and confidential communication. Going back to our whole thing about end-to-end encryption, how we want to make sure that data on our devices is secure and how this is flying right in the face of that. Okay. And based on that feedback, Apple released an update on September 3rd on their CSAM page about, quote, previously we had announced plans for features intended to help protect children from predators who use communication tools to recruit and exploit them and to help limit the spread of child sexual abuse materials. So the most I can read into this is they're trying to be even more proactive than they already are at identifying and reporting CSAM to be able to identify and report child predators specifically. Okay. But based on feedback from customers, advocacy groups, researchers, and others, we have decided to take additional time over the coming months to collect input and make improvements before releasing these critically important child safety features. Okay, so additional time over the coming months, so... Maybe close to the end of the year. That's the weird thing. It's like they don't say when they're going to do this. It's almost like they don't want to because there's an idea that like as soon as you tell them that you're doing something, the bad actors are going to find a way to get around it or like stop using iPhones. Mm, that's a good point. But at the end of the day, it's just weird how opaque they're being with something that they're hoping will be seen as such like a boon. Like Apple has built a brand on privacy, but this act, despite having incredibly good intentions, flies in the complete face of any expectation to privacy. Yeah. Now, obviously, I didn't want people to have to leave this not knowing what they could do about it. For the time being, assuming that Apple actually does honor the system that they've described, you can, in fact, disable the scanning. So if you're an iPhone user, you can go into the settings app, select the photos section, toggle iCloud photos to disable syncing your photos to the cloud, and then click, and this is like the worst part, this is why you have an iCloud, download photos and videos. This will get all your photos and media out of iCloud. But this is an incredibly cumbersome solution, right? Like you probably have an iPhone that doesn't have the full size to download the internet or the full iCloud. I mean, what you just said is the solution is to not use iCloud. Yeah. Which I don't know if the regular user will want to do. Like <laughs> having a cloud back up your photos and take them off of your device is pretty nice. And I think that is really the like final coffin in the nail of why this is so upsetting to see from a tech standpoint is that these tech companies are so big that their solution is saying you don't like it, then don't use iPhones. And that's not an option most people can realistically take. First of all, because that would imply they need to go buy a new phone. And second of all, <laughs> maybe they're completely bought into the Apple ecosystem. I think we find this with a lot of technology and tech companies and why there's been a backlash in the recent years to kind of the monopoly of tech companies is the idea that, oh, if you don't like our policy, just don't use our product isn't usually reasonable because a lot of this new technology is just a standard for living now. Having a smartphone is pretty much a standard. Like, you have to have it. Like, you don't really have to, but, like, you kind of have to have it. And then being part of the internet is a standard. Or sometimes even using a social media platform is the only way you're going to find news about a certain thing. So it just... Yeah, it's always icky and tough. The UN considers reliable, affordable access to the internet as a fundamental human right. And by extension, smart devices like smartphones have become fundamental to how we exist. Like everything mm -hmm. you're saying is bang on. And 
unfortunately for right now, as always, we're just going to hang out and see what happens next. And hopefully we'll have some positive updates for everyone listening. But I think we've overstayed our welcome, Sam. Where would people go to look for more information or to look for all the sources you brought up? So I have links and sources and actually links to a couple organizations who are very focused on these kinds of issues and fighting them down in the show notes. I also have a link to the YouTube video I made explaining this problem in slightly more bite-sized detail also in the show notes. And I think most importantly, you can find Scott's information in the show notes. As you probably know, Scott is the editor who makes it sound buttery smooth and removed all the flubbed lines that I definitely (laughs) ruined so much worse than the ones you've heard in just this audio recording. Yes. Thank you, Scott. Anyway, till then, back up your iCloud on your device, I guess. (laughs) Till then, yeah, just be mindful of privacy. Keep an eye out for things. And take care of yourself. And if you can, someone else. Bye. Bye. Bye.